Podcasting from our secret compound in Silicon Slopes, Utah, overlooking the entire Utah Tech Corridor, this is the Utah CTO Show. Bite-sized interviews with Utah's tech leaders where we dig into the growth of the Utah tech scene, the stories behind some of the greatest local successes, and the secrets to growing tech leadership in Utah. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Jenkins and Brett Flake. Welcome to the Utah CTO Show. My name's Chris Jenkins, your host, and Brett and I are taking a break and wanted to bring to you one of our episodes that we had in the past, one of our favorites. This is Matthew Barlocker. He's the CEO of Blue Matador. And Matthew was formerly chief architect at Lucid. In fact, he, in the episode, talks in detail about what caused him to see the need for the technology that he built at Blue Matador. So we're really excited to bring you this episode. Hope you like it too. Here you are, Matthew Barlocker. All right. Welcome to the Utah CTO Show. Appreciate you being here again. Thank you for listening. Today we have with us Matthew Barlocker from Blue Matador. Matthew, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Matt is uh, CEO of Blue Matador. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about this, but um, your background is kind of more in engineering. That's right. Yeah, computer science degree, worked in numerous startups as engineer, front-end engineer, back-end engineer, engineering lead, chief architect. Yeah, so very, very heavy engineering. I don't think it takes a business person to be a CEO. It's more about the person with the vision. And in our particular company, the vision is technical. Therefore, technical person is the CEO. Awesome. What is it like to be the engineering CEO? (laughs) Yeah, great question. Busy, always busy. So when you're developing the product, you got the engineering in mind, everything is controllable. Right? There are some unknowns that you just, you'll never figure out. Like, hey, you know, I was integrating with a certain API and, and then it changed underneath me and new release, new version, whatever. So I had to deal with that. However, business is that times 10. Yeah, you, right. you can't control anything, right? You, you get a phone call from an investor, you, you take it, right? Uh, you get a sales call, you take it. Uh, you, you have more meetings, you have more, there's just a lot more that you've got to do that is out of your control. And so then you end up doing all of the things that you're supposed to do in the off hours when you should be spending time with family. It's just less control and always busy. And how much of that is outside of your comfort zone? I'm curious, just because, you know, coming from that same sort of background, like that's not easy. Yeah. Comfort zone is different than preference. Mm-hmm. It's all within my comfort zone. Like it doesn't bother me at all. I used to play uh, or I, I still do play piano. So I've done a lot of recitals. I used to be in a percussion group. We did a lot there. I was in the Olympic band. I have no problems being in front of or even speaking in front of groups. But preference, it's not my preference. I prefer to be coding. I prefer to be you know, reading documentation, fixing bugs. In fact, the, the thing that I like absolute most is scaling infrastructure. So finding the, the choke points and then fixing them. Yeah, for sure. So. Tell us a little bit more about your career. How did you grow up in tech? And then how'd you get to where you are today, where you started and founded Blue Matador? Yeah. I always wanted to be an astronaut. That, that was just fun. You know, yeah. so I, I followed space. I love stars. I love rotations and everything to, with the moon and, and Mars and, and the sun and, and different, uh, you know, tell me about the Alpha Centauri and you know, whatever yeah. it is. Loved that. In fact, I still follow that today. So wanted to be an astronaut, wanted to go into space. And one day, you know, I got pretty good grades. And one day, my dad pulled me aside. He's like, let's go on a drive. He said, hey, uh, how many astronauts are there? I told him the answer. I don't remember the answer anymore, but I mean, it's very, very few. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, how many have gone into space? Very few. He said, 
do you think you're smart enough to be an astronaut? Oh, <laughs> no, <right>? Brutal. <laughs> yeah, brutal. Thank tough, you, Dad. Tough conversation. Uh, so it took a turn. But then, you know, he ended up convincing me. I, I, you know, I, I'm not the top 1% of 1% of 1% of 1% of people. Therefore, yeah. maybe I ought to try computers. Turns out I loved it. And it worked out really well. So I went to college, got a computer science degree, and kind of find my way into the back end. I love databases and infrastructure and APIs and anything on the server side. I will gladly avoid JavaScript any day. <laughs> yeah. not, not my favorite. That was really cool that, uh, you know, obviously you didn't get to be like the Air Force test pilot lead into the astronaut career, but obviously there was a lot of other things along the way that kind of led to Blue Matador. And I think one of your stops was Lucid. That's right. um, that a pretty successful company. Um, was that a difficult decision to leave? When did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. Lucid was difficult to leave. Every other company that I've left, I have left because I've stopped learning. Whether that be it slowed down or stopped or, you know, big, uh, big roadblocks in my way, whether that's big corporate red tape or whatever it was. Yeah. And Lucid never had any of that. So my progression throughout the company is right out of college, I was at a company for 18 months. And then the next one was nine months. Then the next one was six months. And the next one was three months. I kid you not, yeah, almost at the exact marker. And then Lucid was five years. <laughs> and I really loved it. There's a lot to learn there. It's a great company, led by great people. It was a hard decision. I didn't love it. As far as becoming an entrepreneur, my dad's an entrepreneur. My grandpa's, both grandpas were entrepreneurs. Like, this is not a shift for me. Yeah, it's in my blood. It's how I always think anyway. I tend to do things that are more risky. Yeah. than the average person, right? <laughs> That's testament to that. You're in a cast right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the listeners that can't see. <laughs> That's right. The yeah. cat, both feet broken right now. Uh, uh -huh. Left foot shattered, right foot broken because I was climbing on a ninja thing. Turns out I'm not a ninja. You know, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I naturally take risks. And the turning point was I had this event. So Blue Matador is all about monitoring. And the turning point was I had an event where monitoring didn't solve my problem. Yeah. something was missing and I looked into it and nobody was solving the problem. So then I jumped while it was hard to leave lucid. It's turned out really, really good. Yeah. So speaking of blue matador, curious, you know, what experiences maybe at lucid or, or some of your other companies led to and informed a little bit about what you're doing at blue matador. Yeah, that's a really good question. I love databases. I love backend. I love APIs and everything that I do. It's all about scale. So we've built an infrastructure that scales really, really well. That's helped, although you would never see that in our app, right? It just works. Mm -hmm. Other things that, that may have contributed to it, I love automation. And not exactly from a prior company, but everything that we do at Blue Matter, it's automated. You actually cannot configure it, even if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so that's come from me, a number of different companies, you know, just loving automation. Other things, I love board games. So Lucid... I kind of instilled it at Lucid, but I, you know, I definitely took it from Lucid as well. We played board games. Yeah. In our team area, we'd always have one set up, whether that's yeah. Junkyard Racers, love that one. Thunderstone Shard we were talking about earlier. <laughs> was it Lords of Waterdeep is a really great one. We look for these asynchronous, turn-based, thoughtful games right. where you can play them at your leisure. You have a bug, go fix it. You need a break, go play the game for two minutes. Right? Take your turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a good number of those. <laughs> 
Take, yeah, <laughs> taking awesome. that step away um, sometimes to a hard problem and just doing something that's unrelated can help you solve that problem too, it seems yeah. like. <laughs> and, and the dynamic of really screwing over your teammates is amazing. It's, oh, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> you know, ruining their next turn and, and laughing about it to yourself while you're <laughs> fixing the next bug. It's perfect. Ad, ad, adds con, confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you could get into a little bit more detail about Blue Matador, we had breakfast. We talked a little bit about what you guys do and how this is beneficial to, and in our case, our listeners, but to those that are in engineering. Tell us a little bit more about that, what you do, and then all the things that you're monitoring. It was really interesting technology when you brought that to our attention. Perhaps to give the context, right? And you're probably going to ask me about this here in a minute anyway, but I'll, I'll go into it. The founding go story. Ahead. Yep. Lucid Software. I was at Lucid Software. And again, great company. I don't mean to harp on them by any means. My responsibility as chief architect was uptime, availability, reliability, stability. It was my job to make sure that everything worked smooth. So when the CEO came to my desk, I had a bad day. The VP of engineering was at my desk, had a bad day. Basically, you could tell how my mood was by how many people were surrounding my desk. I am a people person to some extent, but that, you know, just more the underlying indicators of failure in the application would represent themselves as people at my desk. Anyway, my wife was having her third baby. And we're at the hospital. We checked in. It's the morning, having a C-section. She has the operation. You know, everything's healthy, fine. The baby comes out happy. As well as you can tell, a screaming baby is happy. <laughs> and then she went to the recovery room because they knocked her out. And I went to the ward, the, the bedroom, yeah. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then I got a call. I'm holding the baby just less than a few hours old. I got a call from Lucid. It was the VP of engineering. And he said... Everything's broken. The demos are down. Sales team can't do anything. Support is inundated. Engineering are stumped. We can't figure it out. Help us. You're our only yeah. help. You know, very Star Wars-esque. <laughs> and I did reluctantly put down my baby, put him to the side, opened up my laptop, started working on this with crappy Wi-Fi, and I fixed it. It wasn't particularly heinous. It wasn't that bad of a problem. We got it fixed, rolled back the release. The frustrating piece was that when... I was in the office when I was at my desk when I could have fixed the problem. That's when the problem happened. And nobody knew about it. We had a developer, great developer, no, no fault of theirs. There was just a bug. And when they released this new feature, it just went out and they didn't look at it. And so nobody noticed it. Their product manager didn't look at it. Yeah. And they didn't tell me that they had released, so I didn't look at it. And, yeah, and nobody's it, ever done that before. Yeah, <laughs> never, never. And you were the bottleneck. You were the single point of failure, and this is in the middle of this important family event. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. And so we kind of relied on our, all of our monitoring tools to find this thing for us, to give us a timely, actionable alert. It just didn't. Yeah. We have a bunch of monitoring tools I won't name because I don't like to badmouth, but none of them did their job. Yeah. Come to find out, they see their job as... We'll give you graphs and dashboards. And to be honest, I don't have time to look at graphs and dashboards. Yeah. That's what knocks do, and we don't have the money to pay for a knock. We, these graphs and dashboards, that they aren't particularly helpful in being proactive. You right. have to watch it. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. So I looked for another solution that I could add to the monitoring mix. Nothing existed. Boom, Blue Matador. All right, so Blue Matador, the idea is we will find everything that you're not looking for, that you don't have time to look for that you don't have the time to set and fine-tune thresholds and tell us what matters and tell us what doesn't matter. We will go out and we will discover what matters to you on an automatic system. We work really well with AWS and with Kubernetes, and then we have an agent that you can install as well on Linux or Windows. And 
we'll go out and with that information, we're just going to start pulling everything from CPU and load to ELB and, and CloudWatch metrics and Kubernetes services and daemon sets and all the things. We'll just pull it in and then we're going to just crunch our numbers and send you things without you having to tell us. I'm a systems admin sort of at Nuvi. You know, I watch our, our cloud infrastructure and I have this email folder that's just full of all the notifications that I get from our monitors. And I just like it's just a big mess and I don't even know what's important, what's not. So I just ignore it for the most part. Don't tell anybody at Nuvi. Um, <laughs> no, but. Well, well, you're the first. Nobody but, ever knows that. Right, right. But it, it's, not, it's not proactive enough in that. We fix something when it goes down, and we know there's something wrong when it goes down, and that's not as proactive as we would like it to be, right? And so how does that solve that problem? Let me give a couple very concrete examples. Sure. Disk space. I'm going to bring this one up. I mean, it's a total newbie mistake. Who would run out of disk space ever? But it happens me. all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. In fact, we were speaking to a, a very large tier one company that just had it happen. <laughs> so in disk space, the problem is you have multiple mount points across all your server banks, and you also have different rates of usage. And you're also lazy, right? Uh, or at least I am. I, I want to make the simplest problem. So when I do a monitoring tool, I go in and I say, hey, track that thing, and across all mount points, just tell me when it's 95%. The problem is if I'm using 5% a minute or 5% an hour, I may not get that with enough time to do it. Or I may release a new mount point, and maybe I have to hard code which mount points I want it to watch. I mention this because this has happened to me in right, particular. And the new mount point breaks and, and now it's broken. So what Blue Matador does is you install the agent. We'll go monitor all the mount points. We don't yeah. care if it's you know ephemeral. We don't care if it's an EBS volume. We don't care if it's just an on-memory thing. We don't care. We will go mount, watch all of those. And instead of this 95% static threshold, we're going to view it as more of a rate and capacity problem. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, give me 95%, which is totally useless, imagine a 16 terabyte disk, right? Like 95% doesn't mean anything. We will go in, we'll say, hey, here's all your disks, all your mount points, and how much time do you have left on these? Yeah. And as soon as we find out how much time, then we can kind of break it up into whether it's an anomaly or a warning or an alert as defined by urgency in our system. So if you have just minutes left, it's going to be an alert. It's a wake up now and deal with this. We kind of project that based on your utilization and Monday's coming up and you typically use 3% more on Monday, then we'll tell you, hey, you know, we expect this thing yeah. to run out Monday at 423 or whatever. All right, so it just kind of makes it a little bit smarter, essentially, instead of just, you know, you hit a threshold and, and then the alert sends in your or email inbox and you yeah, get yeah, 10 of them. Not just smarter, but, but also automated, right? Right. You didn't have to do this thing. You didn't have to tell it the rates. You didn't have to tell it which amount uh, points. Yeah. You didn't have to tell it which servers. Yeah. You didn't have to tell it even disk space. And that's a lot to manage. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, not just disk space, but also think about ELBs. Some of our customers have had unhealthy systems. They have an ELB, they're doing a health check, and an EC2 falls out of rotation, and they don't have an alert on that until it's zero. Yep. Well, we can tell you when it's half full. So who are your customers? Are you targeting startups? Are you targeting enterprises? Where do you land right now? Where's the best sweet spot for you? A small, innovative team. Yeah. If you're in maintenance mode, we're not for you. You don't really need proactive monitoring if you're mm -hmm. in maintenance mode. But if you're a small, innovative team, you're rapidly iterating on your ideas. You're making new things. You're coming out with new features. It's incumbent on you to delight your customers or to deliver a certain business objective. And it's typically in that scenario where there's not enough focus on stability because your directive is make this thing, make the product, make the RFID scanner, make the whatever it is. And it's not 
obvious, it's not in the game plan to stall and do monitoring. It's more of an afterthought to these small innovative teams. So whether you're an SMB, mid-market, or enterprise, we we found these small innovative teams all across the board. And it's those that are rapidly innovating that find value in saving the time on specifying thresholds and telling us what metrics matter and and rolling out new monitoring tools and and everything that's involved with that. Yeah, and maybe that's the difference between having two cloud infrastructure guys. You can just have one, have the other guy focus on something more important. Yeah, yes. for sure. The other person. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen people that have been unable to hire more DevOps engineers or more cloud engineers, more SREs, whatever they are, that augmented what they had with Blue Matador because they just couldn't find more people. I think we're finding that more and more. Yeah. So I was talking to somebody today a little bit about the landscape of technology here in Utah. We were trying to identify real enterprises. And if I'm graduating from the universities here in Utah, do I land at a large organization that can kind of help drive me into best practices and really understand best business practices? And so it feels like there isn't a lot of that, that generally there's actually more of these small, cohesive teams that are innovative, that are rapidly improving, iterating, being scrappy. It feels like Utah is a really good target for you. Do you see that maybe even on the sales side, but also that in hiring being yourselves kind of a smaller, scrappier team as well, that you're able to do that well here in Utah. Utah feels like a good home for Blue Matador. Oh, hiring is impossible. Yeah. It's <laughs> impossible. Here in Utah, we've got a couple of open positions we've been actively interviewing, and it's just impossible. You can't <laughs> find good talent for a reasonable price at all. In fact, uh, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but somebody said, no, no, it was an article. We saw an article that said the Utah market for engineers is as competitive as San Francisco is. Take that for what it's worth. I can't quote it, even a source, but yeah. certainly anecdotally, that's what we're finding. It's impossible to find. We find good people and they say, oh, you know, I kid you not, this has happened. Found a good person. He said, I won't move for less than $220,000, wow. which is insane. That's a large salary. Right? <laughs> I've never been paid that much and yeah. I'm not the best, but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly could fill that position, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's insane. It's very difficult to well, hire we've anybody heard, right now. We've heard some other people come in and talk to us a little bit about how Folks in San Francisco or the Bay Area are actually hiring people here in Utah and saying, yeah, just stay, re- remain remote in Utah. So you get the kind of cheaper living style here in Utah, but the salary of Silicon Valley, right? That's hard to compete with. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially when you're here getting the investment sizes that you receive in Utah as opposed to the investment sizes in San Francisco. And, and you've right. got to compete with their investment sizes, their cash capital. It's very difficult. But I think for all, all the complaining that I do, all, all the negative stuff, we actually have a very good attractor, a very good competitive edge on hiring. We, we offer stock, right? Yeah. You can go to a lot of startups here in Utah. Lucid's one of them. Perhaps I shouldn't name any others. And they purport that they're a startup. They're not a startup. <laughs> you can play games with stock where you can say, hey, you know, I'll give you 4 million shares. And it turns out that's nothing. It doesn't matter. And I'm not saying Lucid does that in particular, but I've seen it done. And... We actually give out, we tell you the denominator. Uh, we, we care enough that you want stock that we will tell you that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I think that uh, that does us <laughs> well, but it's very hard to compete on the cash. Yeah. So just some quick fire questions here for you about Blue Matador and just the key technologies you use. What do you guys use for ticketing? Jira. Jira. All right. CRM as well? or CRM, HubSpot. HubSpot. Okay. How about source control? Uh Bitbucket. Bitbucket. That's what it's called, right? The Jira thing? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, the last exactly. product. Oh, it's been a while since I get, I'll admit, it's been a while since I committed or looked at it or anything. You're a true so, CEO now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, How about the text, text stack itself? The 
programming languages you use. So we have an agent that's written in Golang, right. and that runs on Linux and Windows. I originally wrote that in Python, and it was just terrible. <laughs> so swapped it maybe six months later to Golang, and drastic improvement. So Golang on the agent, and on the back end, the server side, it's uh, Scala with the Play2 framework. Database, we use a lot of RDS and Dynamo, the uh, the AWS databases. And then in the front end, we use FlowType and React. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you an Agile shop? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you being here with us, Matthew, today. This has been fantastic. Co-founder and CEO of Blue Matador. Thank you all for listening to the Utah CTO Show. Matthew, you mentioned that you've got a couple openings even in the in your dev team. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, wants to even use the product, like what's the best way to connect with you guys? Come join us, join the team, or for sales or questions or whatever. Yeah, me, Matthew at bluematador.com. Not particularly difficult to remember, but two Ts. Yeah. So two Ts. Yeah, we're, we're actively hiring devs. Our dev team is currently two people. Like you will literally be in at ground floor. <laughs> Our sales team, we're just hiring two people right now. We just made an offer today. And... We're a very small company, right? Yeah. Six people. So yeah, just email me directly, Matthew at bluematador.com. Happy to help you out. Awesome. awesome. Again, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate that. And don't forget to subscribe to the Utah CTO Show. You can we're, on, uh, we're on every major podcasting uh, outlet. Yeah, iTunes, Spotify, everything that, uh, that you use. So don't forget to subscribe and like us on Facebook, Instagram, etc. Thanks. Thanks. If your computing infrastructure is running in a cloud service like AWS or Azure, you've likely sunk time into manually configuring and maintaining a monitoring tool. Tasks like understanding baselines, fine-tuning thresholds, and examining visualizations for defects require significant time and effort, taking time away from your most important priorities. Wouldn't it be nice if you could automate this monitoring and alerting process? That's where Blue Matador comes in. Unlike all other monitoring tools on the market, Blue Matador eliminates the need to manually configure alerts. After a quick onboarding, Blue Matador instantly discovers all of your resources, automatically creates hundreds of alerts out of the box, and proactively notifies you of critical production issues. This saves you massive amounts of time and ensures that you'll always know the health of your cloud services. And right now, they are providing a special offer to our listeners here on the Utah CTO Show. Just head to bluematador.com slash Utah CTO show. Sign up for a free trial and integrate your AWS account or Kubernetes account for 14 days, and they will send you $100. They are so confident that you'll love their product that they are offering our listeners 100 bucks just to try it. So go to bluematador.com slash Utah CTO show to start your free trial today. Terms and conditions apply.